Okay, guys, welcome, welcome. If it's your first time here, you're joining into a series we're doing called the Abundant Life Series. And today we're in part three of that, which is tithing under grace. So we've gone through two weeks already, one week looking at our hearts. Last week was looking at tithing under grace. You just go to the title slide. Um, If you, we've been... um, Sorry, we've been looking at our hearts, and then also last week we were looking at first fruits, looking at the tithe, first fruits. And I said, this week, we're just going to go a little bit deeper into tithing before we move on into the series. So last week I told you a story about how Jess and I, that w- how when we were in Edinburgh, we were challenged to tithe because we were in debt. We thought that we didn't have enough to tithe, but it was from bringing our first fruits that that story actually led us out of debt and in a very short space of time too. And since that day, it's something that Jess and I have always prioritized, bringing the tithe. And since that day, we've always had enough. And in preparing this series, I shared last week about how I've been really challenged, not just about bringing the tithe, bringing 10% of my money at some point in the month, but in my diligence that the first payment in the month that I make is the tithe, bringing the first fruits to the Lord's house, bringing it into the church. As we've been faithful in tithing, Jess and I have seen incredible blessing come into our lives. One of the greatest blessings that we've experienced has been this growing in this learning to trust God, learning to surrender to him, that he find our security in him and not in the money. So guys, I just want to tell you a story a little bit about in the early days of launching the church here as a public service. Because I, for that first year, we'd run the church for about four years as a house church. We, Jess and I had been tithing, and there was a, a couple of others tithing every single month. We hadn't needed to spend anything, so it had been in, inside the church. And so, actually, for the first year of church, when we launched, I was employed by the church full-time. Now, shortly before the twins were born, so kind of late summer 2018... The church ran out of money to be able to pay me. But that was the source of my income. And in the run-up to that moment, I had been preaching a lot about faith and you've got to trust God and all these things. And then suddenly we're put with this opportunity to trust him, to surrender to him. Now here in front of me was this trial of exercising my faith. Not, not just that I believed him, but that I preached about. Am I going to walk what I, what I preach? Some weight that's there for me to push against. That's why James says rejoice in all trials. Because it's something to stretch our faith. It's something to grow our faith. That a weight that our faith muscles can push again and grow strong in. And there was a bunch of tests in that moment and in that season that we experienced, but one in particularly surrounding money, one significant test, that last month of getting paid, not being 100% sure what was going to be coming after that, not sure about our finances. Do you tithe or do you save it? Do you give to the Lord? You're obedient to him, or do you save it just in case? 
you know, that thing running through the, my mind. Uh, I can't tithe because I may need this. It certainly went through my mind. I can't give, so we may need this. But we tithed. And guess what? God provided. God provided amazingly. And on the, just out of the blue, somebody who didn't know about our situation, because I hadn't been sharing this in church either, someone who didn't know about our situation at the time came and asked, hey, James, would you do a marketing contract? And then that spiraled into a whole load of other things, which today is the very thing that's providing for me, and not just me, but there are other people who have been able to be blessed through that as well. Had I not trusted God in that moment and said, okay, God, I'm not going to trust in this money and keep it in case I need this, but actually I'm just going to trust in you, potentially that business wouldn't be there. Potentially the, the blessing that I'm experiencing now and others are experiencing now, it wouldn't have impacted us in that way. And so th this is the thing I guess I want to pull out today is that I'm not tithing because it's an Old Testament law. I'm tithing because it's life. I'm not tithing because it's an Old Testament law. I'm tithing because it's life. And this is that today's sermon, tithing under grace, is something we've got to get because many, many people around the world today, they tithe and they, rece they receive and experience the abundant blessing of God. And yet many people say, well, actually, no, tithing's Old Testament law. Do you think if that's where, where your heart's at, that the people who do tithe, that they tithe because they find it's law, because they find it grace. See, for me, I tithe because it isn't an Old Testament law. I tithe because it's life. So there's this misconception that tithing is part of the Old Testament law. It is, but it, it hasn't passed away. The tithe hasn't passed away or changed in some way that we can just now kind of give and kind of give what we feel wherever we feel like. That's part of generosity. It's part of giving, but it's not the tithe. See, the tithe is bringing, like we said last week, that first tenth of our first fruits increased into the house of the Lord, into the church. So that's today's big idea that tithing is life and not law. Tithing is life not law. Tithing, it was before the law, and tithing is after the law. Tithing's more alive under grace now than it ever was under law. Tithing is a principle that throughout the Bible, and it, it runs throughout the Bible from before the law, and it is still just as powerful and good today under grace. So first point, tithing before the law. Let's have a look at this, tithing before the law. I want to tell you guys a story and look into one of the stories from Genesis to do with Abraham and this king called Melchizedek. And what had happened was there were these four kings that had attacked Sodom and Gomorrah and they'd taken a load of prisoners. And then they'd, they, what they'd done is taken all of their wealth as well. And Abraham, gets angry and cross because they've also taken Lot, who's one of his kinsmen, is one of his people. And so Abraham goes out to, cap, to rescue Lot, to attack these four kings, and he catches them up, he overcomes them, and he defeats them, and he rescues the captives, and he takes all the plunder that they had taken from Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's on his way back from defeating these four kings, 
when he'd saved Lot and he then meets with, he then meets with, it says he meets with this king of Salem, Melchizedek, and he meets with the king of Sodom. And this is what it goes on to say in Genesis 14, 18 to 20. It says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. 430 years before the law was given, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Abraham is our spiritual father. Melchizedek is a type of Christ, a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. It goes so far that even some Old Testament some Old Testament scholars would say that actually Melchizedek is Jesus. It's like a, it's like a theophany, an, an appearance of, of Jesus in the Old Testament. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. That's what Melchizedek actually means, king of righteousness. And remember where he's king of? He's king of Salem. Salem means peace. He's king of peace. He's king of righteousness by name and king of peace. The book of Hebrews even goes on and it speaks in the New Testament and says about how Melchizedek is a type of Christ. It says this in Hebrews 5, 9 to 10. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The entire of chapter 7 of Hebrews. It's dedicated to showing Christ's fulfillment of the various pictures that are embodied by Melchizedek. And it focuses in parts on tithing. So let's look. Hebrews 7, 1 to, 1 to 3. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to Abraham apportioned a tenth, a tithe, right? A tenth part of everything. He's first, that's Melchizedek, he's first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See, the writer to the Hebrews really wanted us to get this link, this picture between Melchizedek and Christ. That Melchizedek is a type of Christ. And for us to understand that Abraham gave and tithed to Melchizedek, who was a representation of Christ, 430 years before the law was ever established. Five verses later, in verse 8, it, there's this incredible verse, an amazing verse that sets tithing as this eternal, timeless principle of life. Not some dead religious duty that is just locked up within the law. It says this, Hebrews 7, 8. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men. But in the other case, 
by one of whom it is testified that he lives. Who's that? It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. In the one case, ties are received by mortal men, but in the other, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. What an amazing New Testament verse, covenant of grace verse on tithing, written to the Hebrews living under this new covenant, not under law, that we bring our tithes into the house of God, into the church, and yes, men receive it. But in truth, there is this spiritual dynamic And the spiritual dynamic around tithing is that Jesus receives the tithe in heaven. It's not a weird like tax to church. It is deeply spiritual. It is a heart issue. It is a life issue, not a law issue. It's about honoring our king. It's about surrendering to him, trusting him, giving to the priest with our first fruits, with a grateful heart towards God. See, money and possessions always test our hearts. So we need tithing just as much as Abraham needed tithing to have a good heart before God with stuff. And just as much as the guys living under law needed to have a good heart to do with God and stuff. We need it just as much under grace as they did under law and before the law. Tithing is a test. Let's look at number two then, second point. Tithing is the ultimate test of our hearts. The ultimate test of our hearts. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart and our treasure find themselves in the same place. See, tithing is a regular test for us as believers. It's this act of faith and gratitude that says, my heart is with the Lord. I surrender to you. It's an act of faith surrendering to him in the same way that our faith in him for our salvation is an act of faith surrendering to him. See, my, saying my life is in you, God, not in my stuff or my lifestyle or my experiences. It says, I honor you first. And if you remember from last week, it wasn't so that we live just in this whole life of poverty, but actually he would be the one that brings the blessing into our lives. When Abram came back from that battle, when he came back and he meets with these kings, he's laden with plunder and he's rescued the captive and he meets with the king of Salem and the king of Melchizedek and the king, sorry, and king Melchizedek the very first thing that he does what's the very first thing he does? the very first thing he does is tithe the very first act he does is tithe tithe to the king of peace to the one whose name means king of righteousness to God's priest then Abraham or Abram declares he's giving everything back to the king of Salem. Sorry, to the king of Sodom. But he just says, hey, look, would you give them a share? They've risked their lives to get this back to you. Give them a share of the plunder. Abraham, he's risked his life. He could have kept it. In fact, the king of Sodom even says, look, keep the stuff. But Abraham says, I won't keep it. See, that is that generous heart that comes past the tithe. That's that heart of the blesser. Because he's got that heart, God's heart, to bless them. A heart of restorer. It's this really beautiful scene. 
Just showing the right heart of Abraham to do with stuff. Abraham's got that right heart when it comes to money. This heart of gratitude. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I trust you. I surrender to you. And this heart of generosity. Lord, I want to be generous to this world. I want to be generous to these people. That heart of generosity and gratitude is always shown first through the tithe, honoring God, not honoring anyone else, anything else, and then through our generosity to others, to other things. So tithing is a test. The word tithe, it literally means a tenth, right? The word tithe means a tenth. What does the number 10 represent throughout the Bible? It's the number that represents testing. We have 10 plagues, test the heart of Pharaoh. How many commandments are we given to test our obedience? Well, the Israelites are given 10. How many times is Israel tested in the wilderness? 10. How many times did Laban change Jacob's wages that he, his heart, would be tested 10 times. How many days was Daniel tested? And then we get in Daniel 1, 10. See the tithe, the 10th, is the ultimate test for the heart of the believer. And more significantly, it is the only place in the Bible where God says, we can test him, that you can test God in this, you know? Don't test the Lord, but God says, in this, you can test me. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Not another house, but in my house. And test me now in this. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you such windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Yeah, James, but that doesn't apply to today. That's an Old Testament verse. But you know, verse 6, that's verse 10. Verse 6 says, I'm the Lord. I do not change. His blessings do not change. His blessings don't change. Test him at his word. See, tithing, bringing our first fruits, truly is a test. It's pretty straightforward from the passage what the result is not tithing, we're not going to experience it. You won't experience what the tithe releases. Remember from last week, the first blesses the rest. God here is daring his people. Test me in this. Test me in this. Do you think his favor and his blessings any less now under grace? See, if you haven't tested him in it, do it. Try it. Honor the Lord diligently with your first fruits. If you missed last week, it's on the WhatsApp group. Listen to it. If you're not on that group, come speak to me. I'll send it to you. Honor the Lord diligently with your first fruits, with the tithe, and see what happens. Law, grace, and tithing. Law, grace, and tithing. How, let's kind of mash these things together. How was Abraham saved? Right? How was Abraham saved? He was saved, wasn't he? He's in heaven. Hebrews speaks about that. How was Abraham saved? Grace. In grace. By grace. The law didn't even exist. How was Abraham blessed? 
by grace. So who does the book of Hebrews give as an example to tithing to Jesus? Abraham giving to Melchizedek. Could have given examples of Moses tithing under law, could have given it of the other kings tithing under law, but actually the example given is Abraham living in grace. Very often the reason not to tithe is that tithing's part of the Old Testament law. Tithing's part of the Old Testament law, and so now under grace, we don't do it. Or we kind of just give some stuff wherever we fancy, that the concept of tithe has passed away. But tithing is life, not law. Tithing is life, not law. Here's a thought for you. The righteousness of grace, the righteousness of grace always exceeds the righteousness of the law. Just because something's right under the law, i.e. tithing, it doesn't mean that it's now wrong under grace. Jesus says this about the law in Matthew 5, 17 to 20. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law, all the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll be, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. See, we're made righteous in Christ, aren't we? The righteousness of grace always is past the righteousness of those attempting righteousness by law. We do not follow the law for our salvation because our salvation is in him. Our salvation is in him, he that lives. But what has been put in the law is for bringing life and shouldn't be chucked out just because we now live under grace. Murder, adultery, theft, they were never good before the law. They were bad. They brought death into people's worlds, right? They brought strife and conflict. And so it was so good to not do those things that God put it in the law that we shouldn't do those things. And now we still shouldn't do those things. It's not okay now that we live under grace. They don't bring life. They bring death. See, tithing was good before the law. And it brought blessing before the law. And so God put it in the law because it was the right thing to do. It's the good thing to do. It's a principle of life that God has put on the earth. And it is still good and right to do after the law. Now it has been fulfilled in Christ. See, under the new covenant of grace, Jesus always sets a higher standard. Doesn't he? It's not just don't murder anyone anymore. It's don't even get angry with people. If you're angry with someone, you murder them in your heart. It isn't don't commit adultery. It's don't even let your mind go there. If you think about it, you've committed adultery. You know, how weird would it be if I came to your house and just kind of walked off with your laptop? And you said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I live under grace. Theft doesn't apply to me anymore. So, no, that's not cool. But actually, Many believers, many Christians live like this all the time. Mm -hmm. I can have sex outside of marriage because I'm under grace. It's licentiousness. It's incorrect. It's not right. 
got to get married. See, we're not under, because of Christ, we're not under the curse of sin. Jesus fulfilled the law for us, and he set us free from that, set us free from the curse of sin. He redeemed us that in freedom and grace, we can walk in God's ways. Not so that we could then ignore them and walk against God's ways, but that we could walk in his ways. And sure, we're going to stumble and mess up from time to time. But we need to have our eyes fixed on a higher standard. The righteousness that grace demands goes further than, the, than what the law demands, right? Doesn't it? Don't just murder. Don't even get angry. So you see, if we give according to grace, we're not just doing the bare minimum. We're not just, just bringing the tithe. We're not just giving 10%. We're giving way more than that. So if someone says to you, actually, I don't, I don't tithe because I'm under grace, you can say, well, actually, if you're going to live under grace, you're going to be giving way more than just the tithe. See, the first 10% should be given as that first fruits offering, because it is a foundational principle that we see flow throughout the Bible. But because of grace, our generosity, our giving, our gifts should far surpass that. See, Christ... He gave everything, didn't he? Remember we said last week that Christ was God's tithe to the earth, to humanity. But actually Christ, he gave everything. He held nothing back because he lived in grace or was the herald of grace. It cost him everything. See, under law, before, under law, it was a tick box, wasn't it? You just bought your tithe. And if for some reason in your head tithing is some law tick box to make you right with God or that God's going to bless you because you do this thing, and that, that's not right. That's not okay. We've got to be giving under grace. Under grace, you bring your tithe and more because it is an act of honor. It is an act of worship. It's an act saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I trust you. That actually I trust you more than this money that you are my provider, you're my sustainer, that there is this lifestyle of extravagant generosity and, in, and just abundant gratitude, reflective of God himself, because we are now in this covenant of grace, seeing, you know, living in the covenant of grace, we should experience far more than they would ever experience under the covenant of the law. Grace doesn't mean we give less. Grace calls us to a higher standard. I've been challenged in this. There was a time that Jess and I, um, for a number of years, was we were giving 20%. We felt God really challenged us to be, to be doing that. We were giving 20% of our income away. And somehow, just with stuff going on, it just dropped down to giving the tithe, giving the 10% regularly every, every single month. And I've been really challenged, and God's been challenging us over this season just to be like, James, well, you're giving according to the law, just. You're just giving the tithe. Give under grace. Come back into that. So that's something I'm really challenging myself with, to step that back up. Because you see, tithing is life, not law. It comes out of this grateful heart that has experienced his grace. Jesus makes it very clear that the tithe shouldn't be stopped. In Matthew 23, 23, says this, Woe to you, Jesus is speaking to, um, he's not speaking to a horse, whoa, he's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. 
Thanks, guys. Thank you, fans. Um, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. You guys don't need to pay in spices. You can if you want. Some of the Destiny churches do around the world. In India, I think quite often some of the really rural churches pay in their crops and things like that. They, they bring that in and then you, that's used to further ministry. But if you want to pay in Hong Kong dollars, then that's fine. Um, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. See, Jesus could have said, couldn't he? He could have said, a time is coming when you won't bring your tithes, but your gifts to God will be in faith and mercy and justice. He could have said that, but he doesn't. He says, tithing, mercy, justice, and faith, you guys should be doing all of it. But you guys are spending more time looking at these simple, basic things to do with the law, to do with, to do with uh, tithing, and actually missing the really important stuff to do with mercy, justice, and faith. Jesus is affirming the tithe. Because it's a powerful principle that would persist under grace. So guys, I want to tell you a story as we kind of draw into an end here, although there's still five minutes or so left. This story of tithing under law. Because our expectation of tithing should be way more than this story that's coming up. Our expectation under grace should be way more than what we read here. Now, years after Abraham and Melchizedek and Moses, the laws come and God had even been forgotten. And now under one of those kings, his name in Israel, his name is Hezekiah. He liked tunnels and he brings Israel back into worshipping the Lord. He reinstates the temple worship which had stopped. He pulls down all the shrines and the high places to the other gods. He reinstates and starts again the following of the Passover. And then he reinstates this bringing the tithe into the house of the Lord. Imagine that. This people who have never tithed, who actually haven't even followed the Lord up until now, are commanded, okay guys, we're going to start bringing the tithe. And guess what? They do. They bring the tithe. And it says this in Chronicles 31, 5 to 8. It says, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites, that they may devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, and also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God, they laid in heaps. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. So this story just there is happening over a five-month period, okay, from when they start bringing stuff to when they stop bringing stuff. 
And so it's happening over a five-month period where they're bringing their tithes, they're bringing the first fruits, where? Into the house of the Lord. Predominantly, they're to support the, the Levites and the priests in ministry, in, the law, in, um, in studying the law. And then it carries on. So Hezekiah comes and turns up with his leaders. And this is what it says. It says, then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps imagine it he's rocked up and there are these massive heaps and he he questions them and Azariah the chief priest from the house of Zadok answered him and said since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord we have had enough to eat and plenty left over for the Lord has blessed his people and what is left is this great abundance. This is under law, a lower glory, a lower thing than what we should experience. Imagine this, Hezekiah arrives on the scene and there are these massive heaps. They've been collecting it for five months. There are these massive heaps and he's confused. He questions them and he questions them. It's like, are the people okay? There's so much here. Have people overgiven? Have you not been taking anything? You know, he's asking these questions because there's massive heaps and either people are giving too much stuff and they're just going into poverty because of it or the priests aren't taking anything. And Zadok basically says, look, we've already taken everything we need and more. We've got plenty. This here, these massive, this heaps, that are here is everything that's left over and he says basically the reason for this is that they've been bringing the tithes and the Lord has blessed his people that they that the Lord has blessed them and they, they've been bringing the tithe and he's blessed them and they brought the tithe that the people they're fine this these heaps here that astound a king they're just the tithe they're just the tenth Think of the heaps in their homes. Some dramatic transformation has happened within Israel, not just to do with following the Lord and keeping his law and following his principles, but actually materially. Whilst that's never the goal or the aim, that transforms a nation. Materially, everything has changed. Imagine their homes, they've got the rest of the heaps, right? It's an awesome story, people being obedient to God, Testing him, seeing his abundance released in their lives because of following the principles of the tithe. Because the tithe is life, not law. Those verses show a result of tithing. The people tithe and are blessed. And the house of the Lord is blessed. It's a story that happens under law. Yet, When I read it, I can see the joy in it. I feel just the peace in it. It's not a story of greed or avarice, but of God's blessing and abundance and hand on people. See, under grace, we should experience a greater joy, a a picture greater than that that King Hezekiah is experiencing. The reason so many churches struggle financially globally, I think we all know it's a challenge, right? But it's because we don't get this very basic, simple financial principle of first fruits. I think the reason why so often many Christians struggle, and there are times of plenty and times of lack, and I've had that. But this thing of actually surrendering to God, 
It brings an increase and a blessing into our lives. Tithing's the beginning. It is the beginning of how you guys may remember from the vision, part of our vision is to be a resourcing church. It's to be a resourcing church. Tithing is the beginning of how God will make us into a resourcing church. I I believe that we will be a church with abundance, more than even that story. That we'll be able to bless others. That we'll be able to pour out blessing to other churches, other ministries around the world, all kinds of stuff that God's wanting us to do. That we just have open hearts, surrender to him. Even maybe he'll say, give everything that you've got away. We've got to be in the place ready for that. But you know what? Tithing is the beginning of that story. Because tithing is where the giving of every believer always starts. Tithing is... Tithing, it's the beginning of the story that saw Jess and I coming out of that debt. Tithing was Abraham's first response after his victory, a response of gratitude. Thank you, God. Tithing was what began that spiritual and material reforms under Hezekiah's rule. So tithing is life, not law. And under grace, Jesus still calls us to bring the tithe. That whilst we bring it to the church, he, like that verse in Hebrew says, he receives it in heaven. So can I invite the worship team just to come back up, guys? And we're gonna have a we're gonna have a response time now. We're gonna have a response time. <clears throat> what we're gonna do is just go into this moment. And just to say, guys, if you're still struggling with tithing, I get that. If you feel condemned by today, please don't. Please have peace over it. But let's chat about it. Because I'm not saying this because God needs your money. God doesn't need your money. But I believe with all my heart that this is such a core principle for blessing in our lives. See, if you're still struggling with tithing, how it's for today, how it is life and not law, or any kind of aspect around what's been shared, please come and speak to me. Feel free to send me a message. Say, look, I'm struggling with this part. I can send you a message back. Or we can set up a time to meet. I'll walk you through it. My challenge to you guys today who don't tithe is test God in it. Test God in it. Bring your tithes into the house and test them in there. See what happens. If you call this your church, bring it here. If you're visiting and you go to another church, take it there. So if you've got testimonies, as we go through this time, if you have testimonies of blessing, please message me. It would be great to hear what the Lord's doing. And just before we go into a time of prayer, I want to give an opportunity for anybody here or on the podcast who wants to receive the Lord, who wants to say, Jesus, I want to follow you today. If you've never done that, I'm just going to give you a chance. Just pray this prayer after me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying on the cross and paying for my sin. Thank you that you have made me right with God. That I can now have a personal relationship with you. I give you my life, Jesus. I make you king of my life. 
and put my trust in you today. I choose to follow you from this day forward. In your name, Amen. Guys, just keep your eyes closed. Everyone just keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you're saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. If that's you and you're sat here, just pop your hand up in the air. I'd love to connect with you afterwards. As all eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, just pop your hand up in the air. Give you a minute. And I just speak to speak to the podcast guys if you prayed that prayer send us a message on the on the on the website we'd love to connect with you pray with you father god lord thank you for today god and i just pray that you would just speak to our hearts in this subject in this topic god i just pray that you give us soft hearts lord that we would be willing in that place of surrender and trust god that we'd come into that place of testing you lord in this lord i just speak a peace over all of us today and lord i just pray for this church god that week by week month by month year by year you would grow us lord that you would make us into that resourcing church that part of this vision that we would be able to see your abundance come in and flow out like a river god resourcing your kingdom work around the world lord i pray for people today who are struggling financially god Lord, and I just pray a blessing and abundance on them, God. Lord, I thank you for your grace, Lord. And I just speak that, Lord, I speak that over these people who are struggling today. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Guys, if you'd like prayer, just have your hands open, flat in front of you. Palms open, hands open, and someone will come around and pray with you. Thank you.